All right. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles go to the third chapter of the book of Jonah tonight. The third chapter of the book of Jonah. While you're turning, let me say it is an honor to be here tonight. My wife and I are en route to the, to, uh, the Rock of Ages Conference in Northfield, Massachusetts. And we decided this year just to kind of break it up and uh, call and ask Pastor if we could come by, use the mission apartment. And boy, y'all been so gracious to let us stay there last night. We sure appreciate that. Nice, very nice, comfortable place. And uh, we're, we're, we're honored to be here. I want to say uh, on the line of missions, Pastor asked me to just give a, a, a short update about the ministry. Let me say I appreciate y'all praying for our ministry. Now, I don't know about here in Maryland, but did, did anybody here in Maryland notice that last year was a little different? It's a little weird, maybe a little weird. Anybody notice that? Let me tell you what happened. We was I've been at my prison. Those of you that may be new have never met me. I'm a missionary chaplain at the Northeast Correctional Complex in Mountain City, Tennessee. If you look at a map, there's a corner where North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia all connect. The prison sits there on a 55-acre piece of property uh, out on Highway 67 West. I've been there 12 years as a missionary chaplain. I've got a staff ID. I've got an office. I've got keys. And I've got run of the place. It's really tremendous open door uh, opportunities to witness, preach, uh, disciple. It's just phenomenal, the, the door that God's given us there. Of course, when COVID broke out in March, we got a mandate that all religious uh, preachers, religious groups are banned from coming in. My warden looked at me and said, Brother Russell, we don't consider you a, uh, a volunteer. You just keep on doing what you're doing. So for two months, amen. Thank God for that. For, so from March to May, I preached with a mask on, witnessed with a mask on, and carried on as normal as I could. And then somehow the correctional administrator got word that I was still coming in, and my warden got a phone call, amen, and said, uh, Mr. Russell cannot come in. So I was out for about a year, tried to stay busy as I could, going into some local jails. Our ministry started producing an emergency responder New Testament Got hundreds of those in the police departments, fire departments. And do y'all mind if I be transparent uh, this evening? Is that okay? I had, I had already been praying. I, I, I was really had lost hope of ever getting back into Northeast. The direction things were going, the direction our nation was going, the direction the Department of Corrections was going. And I was already praying and preparing my heart that God was going to maybe lead me to do something else. But just uh, about seven weeks ago, I got a phone call. And they said, you can come back in. So I've been back in for about seven weeks. Thank God for that. I've had four souls saved since I've been back. Given out dozens of Bibles. Church services have been full. Discipleship class has been well attended. And the Lord's continuing to bless, continuing to move there. And, uh, and, and again, I'm just being transparent with you. Uh, the guy said, Chaplain, we sure are glad to have you back. I said, well, I'm back till the next pandemic. <laughs> Say amen right there. So I'm, I just try to be real, amen. But uh, we're there until God says we're not there. Say amen right there. And uh, forgive my lack of faith. Please forgive my lack of faith. But I tell you what, I really just didn't see that door coming back open but God. 
Amen. And I'm thankful he's got us back there. And I sure do covet your prayers. It is a, it's a, it's a tough time. Can I share one thing with you? Uh, prison way understaffed. Um, it's not just McDonald's and Pizza Hut that can't get help. Prison's way understaffed. Since I've been there, they've got a new drug called K2. Uh, an inmate's family member can write an inmate a letter and spray that K2 drug on the letter. Inmate just tear a little piece off, get high. And it, it is just a, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I certainly don't want your sympathy. But it is, it's, it's a lot different. So you do pray for us, amen. But I'm, I'm glad the Bible says we're sin abounded. Grace did much more abound, amen. And I'm still glad in the worst circumstances, in the darkest situations, the gospel still has power, amen. So I appreciate that. Got a few prayer cards. If you don't have one of my prayer cards, see me before you leave. I'll be glad to put one of those in your hand, amen. Are you there in Jonah 3? Amen. I tell you what, I appreciate this church, appreciate the pastor. Not only do you love missions, not only do you love uh, the gospel, the Lord Jesus and his work, but I believe, I believe I'm in a church that loves America. Amen. Amen. And I've had a burden on my heart. And I want to give you a few minutes uh, this evening out of Jonah chapter 3. Don't have a heart attack. I'm, not, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. Amen. So let's look at Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, I want you to notice this eight-word sermon that Jonah preached to the people of Nineveh. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell? I like that. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them and he did it not. I want to give you a few minutes on this subject this evening out of Jonah chapter number 3. Filing an appeal for revival and restoration. Filing an appeal for revival and restoration. Pastor, would you pray God just put his touch and power on the word this evening? Father, we come to you this
through the preaching of your word, may you be glorified, may you accomplish all that you have for us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. During my years, uh, when I traveled on the Rock of Ages revival team, I had opportunity to minister to death row inmates in three different states. I was able to go to Mississippi, the old Parchman Farm. Maybe some of y'all have seen documentaries about that facility. Been down to the Florida State Prison in Stark, Florida, and also the Georgia State Prison, if I remember correctly, in Reedsville, Georgia. Now there's some things I learned about death row and there's some things I learned about death row offenders. When an offender is handed a death sentence, he doesn't just throw up his arms and say, oh well, I guess I'm dead. Oh well, I guess it's over. Oh well, I guess I better make my will out. No, when an offender is handed a death sentence, he immediately starts what is called the appeals process. What happens is an appeal is an attempt to overturn a death sentence. Something else I learned, an appeal must have a basis. When that offender goes before that appeals court, they say, why are you filing an appeal? Just looking at them and saying, hey, I don't want to die, that's not good enough. He's got to have a foundation. He's got to have a basis for that appeal. He can say something like, well, the judge and my ex-wife are dating and I don't think I got a fair trial. Or the, uh, the, the district attorney and my ex-mother-in-law have been going out. I don't think I got a fair trial. Or, or uh, my court-appointed attorney is an alcoholic and I don't think he did a good job. He's got to have a, a basis and a legitimate foundation to file an appeal. You say, Brother Russell, what in the world does that have to do with us this evening? In our text, do you understand in verse number 4 that Nineveh was handed a death sentence? Look what he says right here. He says, and yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now I got a King James Bible and, and, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see grace mentioned nowhere in that verse. I don't see mercy mentioned anywhere in that verse. I don't see a second chance mentioned nowhere in that verse. I don't see redemption mentioned in that. Honey, all it is is eight words, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be a 40 days from now. Nineveh will be history. 40 days from now, Nineveh's going to be overthrown. But they got a death sentence from the mouth of the man of God. Amen. But you know, thank God that the king and the citizens of that country didn't say, oh well, I guess we're dead. Thank God, hallelujah. I might, 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 might make some of y'all nervous, but I'm glad that old king wasn't a Calvinist. I'm glad he didn't say, oh well, I guess I was predestined for judgment. Oh well, I guess I was predestined to be wiped out. But no, the king and the citizens of Nineveh began to file an appeal for revival and restoration for that land, amen. You say, well, Brother Russell, that's good, but what does that have to do with the United States of America? If we had time tonight, and we don't, amen, I'd love to take you over to Romans chapter 1. Do you understand 
that there are four capital crimes. Are y'all with me tonight? There are four capital crimes that will bring a death sentence on a nation and a culture and a society. I'm going to say that again. There's four capital crimes that will bring a death sentence on a nation and a culture. They are sexual revolution, lesbian revolution, homosexual revolution, and anything goes revolution. And just like four roadblocks, the United States of America has run through all four of these roadblocks and committed all four crimes against the holy God of heaven. And I believe I could take you to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 32 and show you clearly from God's word that the United States of America has been handed a death sentence. I had a little impromptu Bible study with my son. Romans chapter 1, I showed him. He said, oh, well, it's over. Oh, well, I guess we're done. He said, oh, well, I guess America is going under. I don't know about you tonight here at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland. I know what God said. I know what his word says. I know we've been handed a death sentence. But oh, Charlie Russell, I'm just not ready to roll over and give up on America just yet. Amen. I believe I'm preaching to some people. You're not ready to roll over and get over America just yet. And I believe I'm talking to some people you just might be interested in filing an appeal with the appeals court of heaven where circuit George Jesus that he just might spare America and give us revival one more time. Amen. It's time for God's people to start bombarding heaven. Amen. I said it's time for God's people to start bombarding heaven with appeals. The circuit court of appeals of glory. Circuit court Jesus judge. Amen. And appeal to God for revival and restoration for our land one more time. Amen. Let me give you a couple of things here. Just like with any court and legal system, you got to have a foundation. You got to have it. I love America. I love American food. Amen. I love American homes. I love American roads. I love American luxuries. But none of those are a basis to file an appeal for revival. Amen. But I want to give you about three things I believe we can use as we file our appeal, a foundation and a basis for filing an appeal for revival for the United States of America. Number one, let me give you this, the character and nature of God. The character and nature of God. Look at Jonah chapter 4, verse number 2. Y'all still with me tonight? Jonah chapter 4, verse number 2. The Bible says, He prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger 
and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. Amen. Y'all mind if I use a little penitentiary language to describe Jonah? Is that okay? In the words of the penitentiary crowd, dude's got issues. Y'all ever heard of a white supremacist? Jonah was a Jewish supremacist. Y'all remember the Black Panthers? Jonah was a Hebrew panther. Are y'all with me? He was for the Jew. And as far as he was concerned, I'm going to be very blunt, everybody else could go to hell. He hated the Assyrians. He hated the Ninevites. And he wanted God to wipe them out. But I'll tell you something. Jonah had issues. But man, his theology was flawless. Buddy, one thing about Jonah, he had some some hang-ups. He had some issues. But buddy, Jonah knew God, amen. And one thing he said about God, he said God is a gracious God, amen. Let me give you a couple things about God's grace, amen. I just made a little alphabetical acrostic here. It's abundant grace. It's bountiful grace, cleansing grace, delivering grace, eternal grace, faithful grace, glorious grace, helping grace, infinite grace, justifying grace. It's kind grace. It's loving grace, manifold grace. It's nationwide grace. It's overcoming grace, powerful grace, quickening grace, revival grace, salvaging grace, triumphant grace, unlimited grace, victorious grace, wonderful grace, excellent grace, yearning grace, it's zealous grace. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 says God is rich in grace. Amen. I'd like to say Charlie Russell's rich in grace, but I'm not always rich in grace. When I'm in a hurry to get somewhere and Paul pulls out in front of me in his 1963 Nash Rambler, going about 22 miles an hour, he makes me have bad thoughts. A couple times I I didn't cuss, but if you'd have wrote it down, I'd have signed my name to it, amen. My wife will tell you, we've been married 28 years. I'm not always a gracious person. But you know what? I'm not the standard. Amen. Thank God you're not the standard. I'm not the standard. The Bible says God is rich in grace and rich in mercy. Amen. Thank God. He's gracious. Then let me say this. He's merciful. You know, we got a misconception that the God of the Old Testament is cold, cruel, distant, unkind, hateful, but the God of the New Testament is loving and generous and merciful and, and compassionate. Let me tell you something. God of the Old Testament is God of the New Testament. Let me tell you what the Old Testament writer said, Jeremiah said, Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies, plural. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise God, I don't know about you, but I've been staring mercy in the face all day today. And when I get up in the morning, there'll be new mercy that I'll be staring in the face of. Amen. 
He's infinite grace, infinite mercy, slow to anger. Slow to anger, amen. This is Father's Day. Praise the Lord. I wish I'd always been slow to anger with my kids. Amen. I was kind of like John Wayne. Beat them first, ask questions later. Anybody there? Right? Boy, I wish I could look back on my fathering career and say that I was always slow to anger, but that's simply not the case. But man, aren't you glad God's slow to anger? Amen. And then let me give this. Bible says he's of great kindness. What does all that mean, preacher? I had a guy, we had a good service a couple weeks ago, and guy got, inmate got beside of himself, just like some of y'all do here, and boy, I was preaching my gallbladder out, and buddy, he jumped up, he said, he's a good God. Say, Reverend, what basis do we have to appeal to God for revival? What basis can we, I tell you what basis we've got, he's a good God, amen. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a patient God. He's a long-suffering God. And based on his character, I believe we can file an appeal for revival. Then let me give you this, not only uh, the character of God, but the second basis is past pardons. Past pardons. Hey, he, he, he pardoned Nineveh. They were, you say, Brother Russell, we're, we're wicked. They were wicked. Amen. They, you say, we're ungodly. They were ungodly. Amen. This just hit me. This ain't my notes. But uh, I won't charge you any extra. Amen. Praise God. If he'll pardon me, he can pardon anybody. Somebody say amen. I think about what I was and how I treated him, how I used his name for a cuss word, how I lived so filthy and ungodly. But June the 10th, 1986, at an old-fashioned tent revival, I got on my knees and I begged for a pardon. And the gracious, merciful God of heaven pardoned all my sin, past, present, and future. He's pardoned nations. He's pardoned people. And guess what? He can pardon us again. Amen. And then past offers, past offers. Genesis 18, I was reading over there, you know, Abraham files an appeal, amen, to overturn Sodom's death sentence. He said, if I could find 50, Lord said, I'll, tell you, I'll spare it for 50, 45, 40, y'all know the story all the way down to 10. God said, I'll spare it for 10 righteous. Pastor, I got to thinking, what if, the folks, Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, get on their faces. God, we know Hollywood hates your guts, but we still love you. We know Congress don't want nothing to do with you, but we still love you. There's still a church out here outside of Baltimore, Maryland, that still loves you. The Supreme Court's turned their back on you. The White House has turned their back on you. Wall Street's turned their back on you. Motown's turned their back on you. Nashville's turned their back on you. But God, there's a few folk down here that still love you. 
Would you spare America for Calvary? Would you spare America for our preacher? Would you spare America for our grandbabies? Amen. He said, I just find 10. I spare the whole nation. Amen. And I believe, I just wonder, what if this crowd here, we got a whole lot more than 10. Amen. What if this crowd here, what if this crowd here would make an appeal? Amen. Based on past offers. Now let me give you this and I'll be done here. Uh, how do you file an appeal? How do you get this appeal through the circuit court of appeals of heaven? Four things these people did. Let me go through these real quickly. I'm going to let the pastor come close out. First of all, humility. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Amen. I was, again, going back to Father's Day, I was thinking about uh, when my children went through adolescence. Lord have mercy. Y'all with me this evening? I'm not exaggerating. I'm as serious as a heart attack when my son turned 13 years old. Aliens broke in his bedroom in the middle of the night and sucked his brains out. And I'm not exaggerating, man. From, from, from age 13 to age 23, I had no idea who that young man was. Amen. And uh, I noticed before that, my son, man, he, he was always coming to get me. Dad, can you help me fix my bike? Can you help me? Fix this. Can you help me put this thing together? But he learned some new words when he turned 13. I got this. Son, you want something? Dad, I got this. Son, you want me to? I got this. I got this. You know what America's told God for the last hundred years? We got this. We got the most powerful economy on planet Earth. Largest military on planet earth. Strongest society on planet God, we got this. You know what we've learned in recent months? We don't have this. All it takes is a little germ to bring us to our knees. All it takes is some kid with a laptop computer to hack our gas lines and we're on our knees. We don't have this. We need God, amen. And we're going to have to get humble and admit we need God. Brother, I, I, this is not the case here. Thank God for good liberty. Thank God for good spirit of God. But we got a lot of independent Baptists. They've gotten independent of God. I said we've got a lot of independent Baptists that have gotten independent Baptists. got independent of God. Lord, we got a jam up choir. We got a pastor that's on fire. We got a bus ministry that's rolling. We got this a rolling. We got that a rolling. What do we need God for? That layout of seeing crowd said we're rich and increased with goods. We don't even need God anymore. But I tell you what, get God's attention. Some folk humble themselves and say, Lord, we need you. We can't have a nation without you. We can't have a family without you. Can't have church. We've got to have him. 
We humble ourselves. Then number two, fasting. Look at verse number seven. The Bible says, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Can I tell you something else about independent Baptists? Is that okay? I've been one for 35 years. I think I can say a little something. Is that okay? You know, we fuss at politicians because every problem they see, they throw money at it. Right? Am I right? What's that got to do with us? Let me tell you what independent Baptists do. Every time we see a problem, we throw a meeting at it. Got a problem with our youth? They need a youth meeting. Church get a little stale, we need a revival meeting. Amen. Married couples having trouble, need a marriage meeting. Amen. Can I tell you something? We've been meeting to death. And I tell you what we need to schedule is some praying and some fasting. Amen. I said we need to schedule some praying and some fasting. I'm not anti-meeting. I like meetings. I like revival meetings. But do you understand, folk, another jubilee, another conference is not going to fix America. Are y'all with me? God's people is going to have to get their date book out. Hello? And again, I'm trying to be transparent. I hate fasting. I like to eat. No, I'll take it a step further. I despise fasting. But I tell you one thing I've learned, buddy, God honors it. Boy, you want to see God do something in your marriage? You want to see God do something in your youngins? You want to see God do something in your church? You want to see God do something in your nation? You get your calendar out and you schedule out a season of praying and fasting. Amen? Amen. Is that sinking in? Is that sinking in? Amen? Then let me give you this third one. Prayer. Amen? Verse number 8. The Bible says, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Amen? Again, let me tell you something about about southern culture. We can schedule a fishing trip at the drop of a hat. We can schedule a deer hunting trip at the drop of a hat. We can schedule a four-wheeling trip at the drop, and we can always schedule something to eat. Yeah. Go ahead. Amen. And I'm telling you, folks, we're going to have to start scheduling some prayer time. Amen. Amen. Schedule time with the Lord and intercede on behalf of our nation. Let me give you this last one. Then not only humility, fasting, prayer, repentance. Look at the last part of verse number 8. The Bible says, Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. I tell you what, and I'm not trying to be whatever, but I'm just telling you something. I, there, there's liberty here. Amen. Thank God there's still somewhere. God still hangs around a little bit. Amen. But I want to tell you something, man. I was reading over here in the book of Ezekiel chapter number 8. And I go to a lot of places to preach, and man, it's just weird. Just locked down. That's reading over there in Ezekiel chapter number 8, where God drilled a hole in the wall. This is the house of God. This is the temple. 
He told us, he said, look in there at what's going on. Man, all kinds of idolatry and filth and wickedness. And I tell you what, as far as us as fundamental Baptists, man, we know how to put on the show. Put on a nice suit, carry our King James Bible. Amen. We know when to say amen. We know when to raise our hands. But I tell you, until we start dealing with our secret lives. Amen. He wasn't, and I'm not even going to mention his name. He wasn't a fundamentalist. I guess we would call him an evangelical. He died of cancer last year. And uh, after he died, well-known teacher, well-known evangelical, preached, teached all over the world. After he died, they found out he had about four cell phones. Literally involved with women all over the world. I never would have dreamed that. Folks, I want to tell you something. I'm not accusing anybody as far as I know. Everybody's right with God here. You sure act like it anyway, I'll say that. But I do know this. Until we get in those secret places. Amen? Deal with those secret sins. And it's not just snorting cocaine and internet pornography. Sometimes it's bitterness. Me and my wife know a man been bitter for 40 years over something that happened 40, still mad. Y'all with me? Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. Until we repent, amen, we'll not see God do anything, amen. So, I believe America's been handed a death sentence. Amen? But if you're like me, you're not ready to roll over and play dead yet. I've been appealing. I've been making some appeals for revival. Let me give you this. Let me give you this. And do you understand that there's no guarantee? Do you understand that the king of Nineveh had no guarantee that God was going to send revival? But look what he said in verse number 9. Who can tell? Who can tell? Who can tell what God might do? Calvary Baptist Church, Dundalk, Maryland. But he got serious and started praying and filing some appeals. Hey, God may spare us one more time. Amen. Who can tell what God might do? Are you willing to make some appeals? Are you ready to file some appeals? Amen. Altars, folks are already coming. Amen. Won't you hit this altar? Start the appeals process right now.